are listening to audio from Community Bible Church. If you would like to find out more information about us, please visit us at cbcsavannah.com. In the name of Christ, our King. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. Hey, CBC, good morning. Go ahead and uh, turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. We are continuing our series and today we wrap up our uh, part three in our mini-series on discipleship. As you're turning there, do this for me. Repeat these phrases after me. Everybody say, following Jesus, Jesus. being changed by Jesus, Jesus. and on mission with Jesus. One more time. Say, following Jesus, Jesus. being changed by Jesus, Jesus. on mission with Jesus. Jesus. We want this language to be stuck in our heads, you know, and and to shape the way we think because as a church, we, want to, we, are, we are called by God to, to be disciples who make disciples, who make disciples, who make disciples, right? And so if we're going to understand what is discipleship, then we need to understand this and we need to have a rubric for it. And, and these, this is the language that we're choosing to use to help us uh, clarify what it is that we are about. On one hand, we want you to be asking, okay, am I a healthy disciple? Am I, like, am I a healthy, whole disciple? Like, am, I, am I focusing on the right things? Am I putting my time and attention to the right things? And so you could, then you could take this rubric and apply it to yourself and say, all right, am I, am I following Jesus? Like, am I with him? Am I close to him? Am I, am I following him? Am I walking with him? Am I following Jesus? Am I being changed by Jesus? Am I the same person that I was three years ago? Has my, has my spouse been telling me the same stuff? Have my parents been kind of on me about the same stuff for the last two years, three years, and I'm not making any progress. I'm not growing at all in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Like, am I growing? Am I being changed, right? So following Jesus, being changed by Jesus, and today we're talking about being on mission with Jesus. Two weeks ago, in the first two weeks, uh, Clint took us to the shoreline when when we talked about following Jesus. If you remember, Clint took us to one of the gospel moments and passages where we were on the shore, in the boat, with the disciples, specifically with Peter, and that's where Jesus finally and fully captured Peter's affections and his attention. And Peter falls on his knees, right, and, and worships the Lord. And Jesus, in return, he doesn't say, finally, you're right, like you should be worshiping. No, instead he says, hey, don't be afraid. Come on, follow me. Follow me, and I'm going to make you fishers of men. And, and at that same time, my family's been reading through, we've been reading through the New Testament. Uh, this, we're going to read through the New Testament this year. By the way, um, if you're a family, you could just take this as a tip. One chapter a day, five times a week, you can work your way entirely through the New Testament. Pretty attainable. And so we've been reading through, and we were, at the time, we were at Mar- in Mark chapter 3, and I, I was hearing this language, and it says, and, and he appointed 12, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach. And one of the key phrases that Clint left us with from week one was, before ever asking you to do anything for him, Jesus invites you to be with him. So following Jesus, that was week one. Week two is being changed by Jesus. And Clint took us to Colossians 3, verse 9 and 10, where he says, 
Paul says, put off the old, self, uh, the old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. In other words, Jesus didn't die on the cross just to save you from hell. He died to change you right here, today, right now. He, the, when he raised from the dead, the same power that quickened his body and raised him from the dead, that same Holy Spirit power is now, for those of you who are in Christ, for us in Christ, that same power is, is in you. It's present in you. And if it, can, if it can raise Jesus from the dead, it can change your heart. And, and that's what he is about. He, he wants to be about this business of transforming you on a regular basis, changing you, helping you grow to become somebody that you've never been before. So following Jesus, being changed by Jesus, and today we're looking at on mission with Jesus. So give it to me one more time. Everybody say, following Jesus, following being, changed by Jesus being changed by Jesus, on mission with Jesus. A disciple is someone who gives their life to the lifelong pursuit of, of these three things, following Jesus, being changed by Jesus, and on mission with Jesus. Let's look at Romans chapter 12, verses one through eight, and what we're going to see is four characteristics of disciples on mission, four characteristics of disciples on mission. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself or herself more highly than they ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. All right, so this is our passage for this morning. This is God's word for us this morning. And remember, we are, you know, this is chapter 12, right? So we're skydiving in here, right into the middle of the book of Romans. And you can't, like, no, no, you don't, you never want to, like, just take a, lift a text out of context. So, and even Paul's words invite us to think about the context when he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. That's not some generic phrase. Like, that's not just some filler that Paul came up with that sounds like Bible-ish, right? These, those words are very particular, very, very purposeful, where he's saying, therefore, like built, based off of what I've been saying, therefore, by the mercies of God, right, live this way. He's saying, I want you to build your life on, on something substantial. I want you to build your life on the movement and the mission of God that I just talked about all through Romans chapter one through chapter 11, right? The fact that we have no chance before a holy and just God. That's chapters one through three. 
right? There, but there's no hope for us on our own. But there is one hope. There is one hope that the, righteous, the righteousness that God demands from you, he's, he's gonna actually give to you through Jesus Christ. And that's exactly what he did, right? Jesus died for us. He rose again. He brought us to faith. He poured out his Holy Spirit upon us. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Chapter eight, verse one. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? Jesus is seated at the right hand of the throne of heaven, interceding for us. That's, so Romans chapter one through 11 is this great, this, this trajectory of like, look at how bad we were. Look at what God has done and look at all of this culminating in the work of Jesus Christ. And now, in chapter 12, he's, he's saying this same mercy mission that God has been on, he's gonna continue. He wants his mercy to spread throughout the entire planet. And there's this wave of redemption that is overcoming the world. Get on board. Like, I want you, I want you to build your life. I want you to, 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 to have your life, to, to place your life firmly on that movement and that mission of God. And so... There's this, this, con, this great context that he leans us into right at the beginning. Therefore, by the mercies of God, if you believe all of that, then you will live like this. And he gets into these characteristics of a disciple or disciples on mission. So we're gonna look at these four characteristics of disciples on mission. And one of the questions I want you to be asking as we read through this is, are these things true of me? Do I get them? Am I living these out, right? Are these four characteristics, characteristics of, of me? Put in your name there. So characteristic number one, surrender. Characteristic one is surrender. I willfully give my whole self to God. I, I willfully, joyfully give my whole self to God. Verse one says, by the mercies of of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. God, here I am. I'm alive and well. Take me, use me, I'm in, right? And, and when I read this verse, two questions immediately spring up in my mind for me. One, what does he mean by living Sacrifice, that seems like a paradox. It's to sacrifice is to die, like sacrifices die, right? So what, what does he mean by this living, dying? What is that dynamic like? And then two, why bodies in particular? There's a lot of language in scripture about your heart, right? God doesn't want your like external behavior. He doesn't want your, like he doesn't want your sacrifices, all this other stuff. He wants your heart, heart, heart. He's always after your heart. Why does he say here, of all the places where you think like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give to the Lord, why does he say bodies? It's got my attention. So when he, let's start with the verse. When he says, present a living sacrifice, that's clearly, that's Old Testament language here, right? They were essentially, in the Old Testament, there were essentially two different kinds of sacrifice, two different categories of sacrifice. There was one, it was a sacrifice for your sin. It was a sacrifice for forgiveness, where, where you, in faith, would take this animal, this beast, this, this living thing, you would take it alive into the temple, and its life would be taken from it. Its blood would be shed. And you, like in faith, you would say, all right, Lord, I'm trusting that you're gonna take this thing 
You're gonna look to this thing as a sacrifice on my behalf, a substitute for me. And God says, yeah, I'm gonna take this. I'm gonna take it for now. I'm gonna accept this thing as, as a substitute in your place for now. This is, this is a placeholder for something greater that's yet to come. And we know that. That's been fulfilled in Christ, our once and for all sacrifice, right? But there's that kind of sacrifice for sins. The second kind of sacrifice was a sacrifice of thanksgiving and praise and worship, right? So the, the heart that says, man, I can't believe I've been forgiven. I can't believe God has, has taken away and freed me, taken away my sin. I wanna thank the Lord, right? And then that's, that's where the sacrifice of praise comes in, the sacrifice of worship and, and thanksgiving. Or when you, when you look and say, Lord, I can't believe I have as much as I have. Thank you for lavishing on me what I don't deserve. Thank you for withholding from me what I what I do deserve and being merciful, there's that sacrifice of thanksgiving, right? And so there's that second sacrifice. When, when we look at this, Paul has made it clear. Of those two sacrifices, Paul has made it clear. This first sacrifice has gone away. Everything that must be paid for has been paid by Jesus Christ, by his life, death, and resurrection. So now then when, when, you think of, when you think of ministry, when you think of living on mission, this becomes incredibly relevant because your, your ministry as a living sacrifice is not, you don't live in such a way, you don't serve the Lord in such a way as to like pay him or pay him back for anything. You don't, you don't minister, you don't serve, you don't sacrifice in order to make God happy because if you're in Christ he looks at you and sees his son and he is happy with you he loves you and, and, and you have been made holy and acceptable in his sight there is nothing you need to do ever, ever again, nothing you ever need to do so then, so then the question becomes well then why would I if there's nothing I need to do, why would I why would I do all this other, like you're, tell, you're telling me, you're, t you're talking to us about being on mission and, and serving and rolling up our sleeves and getting busy for Christ and why? I don't need to. And that's, that's the beauty of this living sacrifice, right? He says, because if you, if you are a thinking person and you look at all that God has done for you and all that he has withheld from you that you deserve, you, your heart says, Holy cow, I can't believe I am, like, Lord, I don't deserve. Or, Lord, I do deserve such worse. But you've, you've taken that for me. Thank you. And what can I do, Lord, to thank you? What can I do to praise you? What can I do to, and, and the answer is, live as a sacrifice for him. In every, every breath, every day, in all you're doing, in all you're being, Live for him, serve him, and, and do it in this way, this totally, wholly surrendered way. So that's the living sacrifice part. What about the body's part, right? Why not heart and mind and soul? What's interesting, he will get there, right? In verse two, it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So he's gonna get to more than just your bodies. But, he's, but he, I think he's very particular here. Paul you gotta remember, these guys, the writers of scripture were literary ninjas and the words are very precise. So when he says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, I think we need to know, we need to think why. And I, I would say, 
I, I believe it's this. What he doesn't want is he doesn't want anyone, he doesn't want any of us to think that the Christian life, that, that discipleship with God and a relationship with God is this life that is mostly up here in your head and experienced through your heart in your quiet time, in your Sunday morning worship. He's saying, if all of this is true of you and if you get it, then it is at the very least going to involve your hands and your feet. Serving him has to involve Like living for him as a living sacrifice has to involve your sports, your sexuality, the things that you see, the the stuff that you view, the stuff that you listen to, all of it, right? You, like ministry and living for God is at least, it's a very, very physical thing, right? And so I think that's, I think that's one of the things that he's, because there's this tendency to make our spiritual life like this, this, this like metaphysical interaction with the risen Lord, which is good and, and right, but to leave it there, right? And, and we talk about, we think about discipleship, we think about our, our relationship with the Lord, and we, and we think about our personal, quiet, devoted time with him. And he's saying, no, you really want to be serious. As a Christian, you've, you, at least you need to roll up your sleeves and serve. Because we are, you are being recreated, right, changed, by Jesus, like we talked about last week, you're being recreated into the image of someone in particular. You're being recreated into the image of God. And we are created in the image of a God who serves, who God, a God who came to serve and not be served. So we come, to work, we come on Sunday mornings not to be served, but to serve. We approach the local church, our CBC, not to be served, not like what can CBC do for me, right? But to serve. I want to, I want to get involved because I'm created in the image of a God who gets involved. We're created in his image. So surrender. Surrender, I willfully give my whole self to God. It makes me think of, I love when we celebrate our baptisms down here on a baptism Sunday, I love the questions that we ask. One of the questions is, will you submit your life to him going wherever he tells you to go and doing whatever he tells you to do? What a question. You're a disciple. If you're a disciple, if you are a disciple, ask yourself this question. Will you submit? Do you submit your life to God? willing to go wherever he tells you to go and to do whatever he tells you to do. Is that true of you? Are you holding on to anything? Is anything getting in the way of that? What is getting in the way of that? Martin Luther once said, a religion that gives nothing, costs nothing, and suffers nothing is worth nothing. So surrender. I willfully give my whole self to God. Are you holding back? All right, that's surrender. That's number one, first characteristic. Number two, humility. Humility. So surrender. I willfully give my whole self to God. Humility. I have an accurate view of who I am 
and who I am not. And I love this point, and I love this point in the text, and this point, like personally, this is, this truth of the gospel has, has meant a great deal to me over the last few years. But humility, I have an accurate view of who I am and who I'm not. He says in verse three, he says, for by the grace given to me, and I don't, just don't breeze over that because I think a lot of us, when we read these familiar passages, words like that are kind of lost on us. But what he, what he means is, by, this, by, the, by the undeserved work of God in my life, in my heart, by the grace that has been given to me, now I want to I turn and instruct you, everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. So in other words, don't, don't think too highly, nor think too lowly, right? And I, like, and I know who I am. I know who I am. I know who I'm not. And those parameters are not defined by me. There's a delightful freedom that comes from this. Those parameters are defined by Christ in me, according to the measure of faith that has been assigned, that God has assigned, right? Your ministry, in other words, when you think about ministry, when you think about getting on mission, when you think about serving the Lord, your ministry must, it must flow out of an understanding of who you are in Christ. And some of us are still figuring that out, right? And that's okay. I'm, I'm glad for that. You want to keep going on that. But he's saying that if you, if you truly understand the gospel, you will have a sober and accurate view of yourself. On the one hand, you won't think too highly. On the other hand, you will not think too lowly. But here's what's interesting in verse three when he says, not to think of yourself more, more highly than you want. It's actually the word um, is, is don't think a lot of yourself. Don't think busily of yourself. Which has two, kind of two sides to this, right? If you think about it. On one, because on one hand, you could be really self You could think of yourself a lot and think really highly of yourself. Like think of very exalted thoughts. And a lot of us do. But at the same time, on the other hand, you can think, man, I'm such a loser. You can think really lowly of yourself. Ah, there's no way. I can't, I could never get involved in that ministry. There's no, I'm not, I'm not cut out for that. Or I'm like, nobody, nobody even cares what I think. I'm sitting in this room of people, nobody turns and asks my opinion. They don't care. Like, I'm just, you know, you can think really highly of yourself or you can think really lowly of yourself and still think a lot about yourself. And that's what he's saying. He's saying, don't, don't think so much about yourself, right? There's something, and this, so the gospel, the gospel is beautiful because the gospel frees us. And I think only the Christian really has access to this. The gospel says, You're, you are a loser. Let's just own it, right? You're worse than you think. So cheer up. <laughs> You're worse than you think. And... You are so loved that, that you're, you're, so, you're so awful, you're so helpless that God himself, the God who created you, he actually had to stoop down to earth, crawl into our skin and take our place to live the life that you're trying to live but can't. You can't. So he had to do it for you. That's how desperate, that's how incapable you are. 
God had to just come out and down and say, I'm gonna do it myself. But you're so loved that he was willing to do it joyfully for the joy set before him. He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and looked forward to the glory ahead because he loves you. And that, that like acknowledging how lowly you are and acknowledging how loved you are, those, those parameters are beautiful because it frees you. You cannot, it's, not, it's impossible then, if you really let that strike you, it's impossible to think highly of yourself and be like, I'm amazing, you're not, right? Or, and it's impossible to think too lowly of yourself and say, I'm such a loser. You're not. You have any idea how valuable you are. Look at Christ's sacrifice. That's how valuable you are, which is awesome, right? And so it lifts you up, it humbles you down all at the same time, it's beautiful. It keeps you in that sober spot, right? To think of yourself with sober judgment each according to the measure of faith that God has given. So, in other words, practical. Let's just get really down-to-earth practical. If that's true, if this is all true, there is no ministry that, is, that you're above, right? There's, there's no ministry that is too low for you. You're not too dignified to get on your knees with toddlers or to change diapers or to sweep a parking lot on a Tuesday when nobody sees you and will ever give you credit. You're not, you're not above that because you have a realistic view of how, of what it took to redeem you and who you are, really are without him. You're not above anything. Nor, on the other hand, for those of you who say, oh, there's no way, God will never, I can't, you know, he's, he's, you have no idea what I've done. I'm disqualified, I'm out. I've cashed it in. God can't use me. No. Don't you dare disqualify the sacrifice because, it's, because you don't qualify yourself. He qualifies you, right? And so you, you can do whatever he has wired you and, and fitted you and gifted you to do, you can and should do it. And that's, and that's the gospel. I love it. I love it. So surrender, humility, Number three, unity. Unity. I am, I need and am needed by the church. Look at verse four. He says, for as in one body, we have many members and the members do not all have the same function. So the, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. In other words, we, we need one another. We can't do this alone, right? One body one body in Christ, he says, one of another. You hear this language. I am both a dependent and indispensable part of the body of Christ. I'm both, de- I'm both dependent and indispensable at the same time. This is a, just a total silly illustration, but like if you're, you've, never, you've never been walking on the street in front of the church and have just seen this, like, flip, flip, this pancreas just on the ground, like just wiggling, wiggling around, right? By itself. I mean, we're close to the medical district. It could happen, but you've never seen it, right? We, you've, and, and like, you know, like you're, like you see it and you're saying like, oh, Greg, here's your pancreas again, Greg, keep this thing with you, right? Like, no, if, if at that, if, if you ever did see a pancreas wiggling around on the ground, that pancreas is going to be dead soon, right? Or, and the person whose pancreas it belongs to, they belong, they, yeah, it belongs to, 
is, is not a healthy person at this moment. The, I know it's silly, but what Paul is saying is we've got all these parts of our body and we need them all, right? The body of, if you are a, a Christ follower and you're not plugged into the mission of God in a meaningful way, doing meaningful labor for the glory of God, then, then you are not healthy. Sometimes I think when you hear the staff or the elders or others say, hey, we have these ministry opportunities available. I th- my fear is that you hear that and you think, oh, they need help. The, the kids ministry needs help or the outreach ministry needs help or CBC needs help. They're looking for help. What, I, what you need to flip this, what you need to hear is, we are giving opportunities for disciples to become disciples. You are not a disciple if you are with Jesus, being changed by Jesus, but not actually doing anything for Jesus. And we have to take all of this into account. And so we're, we're, when, when, we, uh, when we promote these opportunities, it is for your good, for your discipleship. Right? Because a Christian not plugged into the church is not sustainable and healthy. So surrender, humility, unity, and lastly, diversity. Diversity. Where he says, we're going to say, I have something unique to offer through my gifts. I have something unique to offer through my gifts. So verse 6 says, Having gifts that differ, there it is, according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Now, he's going to get into this list. We'll read the list in just a second, but just let me give this qualifier. You may not see your particular gift mix in this list. Don't worry. This is not an exhaustive list. Paul has multiple lists all throughout his epistles, and almost actually none of them match up word for word. This is not, he's just giving examples. Like if it's, you know, let's say it's this, let's say it that, right? So he says, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal. I don't know if you can, you're picking up on the trajectory. He's basically saying, if you've got this gift Do it and do it completely. Do it well with excellence, right? The one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. And so so there's this this tone that comes with this. But what I want to focus on for our purposes this morning is I want to focus on the diversity, right? That I have something unique to offer through my gifts. Every member has a gift. You, every one of you has a gift. You've been gifted by God a spiritually empowered set of gifts to impact other people. When you use those gifts, God gets glory. When you withhold those gifts, the body hurts and you hurt. The body, the body takes a hit, right? There should, there should be no unemployed Christians. 
There should be no passive Christians. When you think of the church, again, we're created in the image of a God who serves. You don't come to be served, but you come to serve. You have certain gifts and abilities that I don't have. There are, there are hands in this church that only you can hold. There are hearts that only you can connect with and people that only you could see and understand. And it doesn't, like, you can't, you can't just assume the paid staff or, or Pastor Bill's gonna see everything and, and dis- disperse all of the resources that we've got or you can't assume that the elders are gonna be able to fill it, the deacons are gonna just take, you can't. If, if you withhold, if you shrink back, then that hand will remain cold and that mouth will be unfed and that heart will feel lonely because you are deciding not to use what God has gifted to his church. God's like, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna gift you and you and you. I'm gonna give CBC exactly what it needs. It's all right here. And if you're saying, nah, I'm not now, I'm out. Then, then, we're, then we hurt as a result. You know, there's this, um, um, uh, there's this big movement in like self-care, right? Where we're so focused on taking care of ourselves. We're so focused on living in balance and being sure to like, well, I can't give unless I'm healthy myself. So, so if I need to, and I, and I get that. And I think I, I, wanna, I wanna say this carefully because I respect on one hand, there is a lot of truth to that. I think it's easy to get burned out, to be unhealthy, to be not focusing on the right things and to be serving at a, out of a platform that's un, unhealthy and unholy, right? Where you're actually ministering to fill some personal need in your own heart, in your own life. And that's not, that's not healthy, that's not good, right? But I think this, the pendulum swing in our culture and even within the church culture has been, well, I need to focus on self-care this season. And so we just, we hedge, boundary, protect, whatever, so much so that there's, there's nothing left to be said that, that could, there's nothing in our life that would actually sound like the word or look like the word sacrifice. This hurts. There's a pain. This is costly. There is a dying to myself that has to happen when Jesus calls me, when he calls me to mission, when he calls me to follow him and to go and make disciples for him. So, question for you would be, what gifts has God's spirit gifted to you and how might you use them effectively? Related questions would be, are you downplaying your gifts? Are you hiding? Because of, I don't know, some fear of like, I don't wanna be stretched too thin, I don't wanna be used too much, or I don't wanna be put out there. I don't want the responsibility, the responsibility. Responsibility is heavy, right? I don't want that responsibility. Are you hiding? Or, on the other hand, are you in a place that you're not, you're like, you're, you're trying so hard because you really want to be in this particular ministry position and you're not just not, like the Lord hasn't qualified you for that or gifted you in that regard. Do you need to just be humble and stick with what you are gifted in? 
Are you in the right place? Is it possible that you actually need to go to your ministry leader and say, hey, you know what? I'm really grateful for this opportunity, but I don't think this is where I'm wired. I think I instead ought to be over here. And, and then let that happen. And it'll, it'll be tricky, it'll be awkward for a little bit, but watch the body readjust and actually get right and for the spine to be adjusted properly and, and in place and the, for the body to work well. Trust that. Is it possible that you need to get fit in in the right place? What opportunities do you see? Now, I'm, so far I'm talking within our church. Paul, as you go through the chapter 12 of, of, of Romans, he's gonna get into all kinds of very global ministry-mindedness. So you, we do have to think beyond just CBC. It starts here, it doesn't end here, right? Because we're called to make disciples of all nations. And so even as you look toward the end of the chapter, there's all these ministries of mercy beyond, in the community and beyond. But first he wants, he wants models of mercy, people who get the gospel and who are healthy and who are on mission. I wanna give you a couple of opportunities, three opportunities that we have immediately now that, that you, if you're thinking to yourself, okay, yeah, it's true, I'm not in ministry, I need to be in ministry, I wanna get involved, you can go there, I wanna send you three different directions. One, if you go to cbcsavannah.com slash serve, those, there are a bunch of opportunities to serve the body of Christ right here at CBC. If you go to cbcsavannah.com slash serve, there's a whole list. There's a, a bunch of different ministries that you can kind of click through and learn about and, um, and get plugged in. Second, if you go to cbcsavannah.com slash go trips, if you're interested and want to explore, Lord, what, what are you doing in the world? Where is your mission at work in Guatemala, in, in South America, in, in, in Africa, where, like, I wanna go, I wanna see, I wanna, I wanna be a part of, and will you use my gifts, could you use my gifts? And let the, the, the CBC team that helps with these go trips, that administrates these go trips, they will help you appropriately take your skill set, your gifts, your age, everything, and, and plug you into a, a, an opportunity that is fit appropriately for you. I got to go with my daughter, my 16-year-old daughter and I, last spring, we went to Guatemala, and it was awesome. And wonderful, just to see, what the, like to be reminded of the work of the gospel in this tiny village and how it's transforming this village from the inside out was just, it was, it was breathtaking. It was awesome. And then to be able to serve by teaching and, and leading and, and hanging out and playing soccer with these guys and discipling some of these young guys, it was great. So, there's go trips. Also, right outside, you'll see the Thrive bus. If you wanna take a couple of minutes, the, the bus is warm, by the way. You can jump in there, it's warmed. Um, and you can learn more about the ministry to women that they have here in the city, this wonderful ministry, Thrive. So there, there are immediate opportunities for you to roll up your sleeves, to respond to God's call to be on mission. So give this to me one more time. Everybody say, following Jesus, being changed by Jesus, on mission with Jesus. That's our prayer. And as we are on mission, we want to live lives that are marked by surrender, humility, unity, and diversity. Let's pray. Father, when we undertake truths like this, in a passage like this, Romans 12. Lord, I feel, we feel both 
um, inadequate and incredibly encouraged. And Holy Spirit, would you, by your grace, would you give wisdom to those in these seats right now to apply these truths to the eye and, and eyes to see opportunities for ministry that we may not otherwise see? Lord, thank you for modeling servant-hearted, others-centered ministry and now ordering and directing that ministry through your church of which you are the head. We love you, Lord. We want to follow you. We want to be your disciples and be faithfully so. We ask this in your name. Amen. Mm-hmm.